Welcome to the Understory podcast. Well, uh, Understory is a global community of innovators and entrepreneurs who are trying to make our world more sustainable. And today, we're very excited to welcome Brian Graff, who is the CEO and co-founder of Solar Forma Design, to join our episode. Brian, welcome to the Understory podcast. Um, before we talk about Solar Forma Design, Tell us more about your background and how this all started. Uh, I'd be delighted. Thank you for having me, JJ. Um, I got into this kind of by, uh, I guess, you know, they say your career only makes sense when you look back on it. But I'd been a marketer uh, throughout my career. I'd worked in a variety of industries, including consumer packaged goods, technology, healthcare, uh, a variety of different things. Um, but I served as the for two years as the COO of a solar energy engineering company as a consulting assignment, and I was really intrigued by first of all the um, by the market receptivity to these new technologies and the performance of the technologies. But I also kind of looked at it and thought, "Gosh, we're putting these in places where uh, people." are having to leave something behind. They're compromising something. They're breaking up a roof line. They're taking up a piece of ground to put these in. They're having to put fencing around them to keep people out. And I wouldn't say that they are an eyesore, but they certainly didn't enhance the aesthetics of a given setting or complement the architecture of a building. And so it was always kind of nagging on me that there might be a better way. And that's what that's what led me to a conversation with Greg Johnson, who is my partner and co-founder, and who is an extraordinarily talented artisan and metals fabricator and a craftsman in just a variety of ways. And we kind of stuck our heads together and paired our respective strengths and came up with this idea for a company. That's really cool. And um, you know, I've gone to a website and it, it's. Um... It's not something people think about, as you say, that people think about solar um, as they would see on, on buildings, but um, you're pushing the boundary to really challenge people to think about how to create something that's beautiful, functional, um, and good for, you know, good for our environment. So before we talk about the product, let's talk more about what are you trying to achieve? What's the mission and the purpose of solar forma design? Um, and how do you convey that to potential customers or partners who are interested in um, your innovation? Yeah. Um, well, early on, we kind of started to develop this hypothesis uh, around an, the apparent opportunity that if we could bring beauty and aesthetics into the solar energy space, we could integrate it into people's lives. And through that, we can encourage adoption and uptake into a lot more places of this technology. And so the resulting mission that was spawned by this was to promote a carbon-free future through solar energy technologies that complement both the built and natural landscapes. And then the purpose within that mission purpose value uh, triad was to design and build solar solutions that capture people's attention, grab their imagination, and in so doing, increase the perception and adoption of renewable energy technologies. Now, the value of it 
is a little bit complex, complicated, particularly when you compare it to conventional solar products. Our products are inspired. They carry a high level design. They're elegant and they create a sustainability statement that brings attention and an element of interest to public and private spaces. Our products are intended to create a place in which people want to live, work, play and learn and also foster the adoption and uptake of renewable energy technologies with the idea of reducing our carbon footprint. And as you have gone on this journey, um, you know, what, what have been some of the kind of challenges or surprising things that you found talking to customers, uh, it, you know, in terms of adoption, is it, um, is it understanding how to kind of blend that, um, you know, natural environment, built environment with uh, renewable energy? Um, uh, is it cost? Is it um, just existing infrastructure is, um, you know, hard to manipulate to build something that's, again, what you envision, which I think make a lot of sense? Yeah, it, it's all those things you mentioned and more. <laughs> okay. It's um, what... One of the things that you run up against with any time you offer a solar product is um, energy managers, facilities managers, people who are in charge of overseeing the capital expenditures required right. to put these things in are trained to look at ROI. What does this do to offset my electricity costs? What is the calculated payback in terms of months or years that might be associated with a project of this type? And how does that compare against other renewable energy options that might be out there. And that's, it, it, it's, a, it's something that we cannot sidestep. It's something that we absolutely need to chin up to as proponents of our products and our technologies, but it also needs to be a broader value of the plane. Um, when you look at a piece of artwork or you look at a fountain or you look at any of the other things that are out there um, that enhance a public space or enhance a public setting, you have to sometimes ask yourself, well, what was the return on investment on that? It made the, it made the place more attractive. It, it, it increased the usability. It made people want to spend time there. And as a result, there has to be some value assigned to it. But it can't be calculated in terms of kilowatt hours or return on investment against the standard means. So we have to we have to subsequently structure our conversations around that. And it's actually what led to the development of the three tenets of our company, which is art, heart, and data. And art means that we lead with design and we try to apply the eye of an artist to everything that we produce. We want our products to be like a great piece of art. We want people to be inspired by them. We want them to look at them. We want them, we want to challenge their their idea of convention and hopefully capture their imagination and take them to a different place. The heart aspect of it is the heart of an environmentalist. We want to make sure that we're, we're being true to the sustainability commitment that we have as a company and that other people are increasingly sharing and, and starting to incorporate into their own personal values. And then the data standpoint is indeed that return on investment. What does this thing deliver in terms of offsetting, um, in, in terms of offsetting 
conventional power generation usage, but it also needs to take into account some of the things that are, are now, nowadays being measured by corporations and public entities, that's ESG, you know, environmentalism, socio sociological investments, and then governance investments. Those are the kinds of things that also need to be put into the equation that calculates whether this is a worthwhile investment for the people who buy our products. Yeah. And um, so how do you convey the the solar, you know, before I, I want to actually talk about the designs that you have, which I think are innovative and, um, you know, functional. Um, if I think about the infrastructures around us in, in our lives, but before we do that, how do you approach solar design with the design of the building's infrastructure? And how do you convey that to, to people to almost give them, um, inspiration and help them to uh, do a mindset shift in some ways because they they are familiar with existing solar design which is you know flat panels on buildings right to something that you're proposing um, which I think is really powerful right well one of the things that we do is we design our, our solar products to create a place rather than take up space, which is what a lot of conventional solar products do. When a, a ground-based solar array in particular goes down somewhere, it's great. It's certainly preferable to a smokestack, but the first thing you have to do next is you have to keep the public from interacting with it. And so you put a chain link fence around it, or you put it in the back of beyond so nobody can get to it and, and disrupt the technology that's there. And we look to biomimicry and what's called biophilic design as a principal influences to guide the development of our product solutions. Um, our products are designed to functionally support essentially three roles. First, they need to provide meaningful energy generation that integrates into people's everyday lives. Second, we're trying to create an icon for people that captures people's attention, creates a natural gathering place for them. The third element is to provide a capstone that might showcase larger, perhaps less visible sustainability and carbon reduction efforts that an organization or an entity might be doing. Some examples of this might be LED lighting retrofits, upgraded HVAC management systems, or conventional solar or utility sourced renewable energy purchase agreements that are reflective of an organization's commitment to sustainability. It just might not be that visible. So one of the things that we, that we uh, leverage quite a bit is what we call uh, conspicuous viability or conspicuous virtue. And that is, there's a lot of companies, a lot of entities that are really doing the right thing towards lowering our, our carbon footprint and trying to commit to a sustainable green um, uh, existence but they're just not getting credit for it. And our products can serve towards, towards getting that message across as well as adding to their carbon reduction efforts. So one of the things that, that we do finally is we integrate these products into the evolving workspace, workspace in ecosystems that are out there. And they're changing the way we live and work and interact in urban environments, corporate and healthcare campuses, colleges and universities, schools, and they're, they're supported and they're evidenced by a number of other organizations such as well-building well and fit-well standards that are helping to guide that process and create metrics for these companies and these owners to follow. Yeah, and I think that's a great segue to um, talk about 
some of the designs and and that you're proposing. So tell tell us more about you know what is conduit seeding. Um, you also have something around solar tree and then solar seeding. So the, um, the, the, our flagship product is the acacia solar tree, and that's modeled after the acacia tree of the African savanna. And it's a uniquely um, adapted tree to that particular environment. It has a broad canopy with lots of little leaves that is, are really efficient at capturing a great deal of sunlight and funneling it down to the main function of the plants. It has a, it has a very small footprint underneath, but a large arboreal base around it. And so it, it serves as kind of a congregating point for a lot of species on the African plains, but it also just does a magnificent job of capturing sunlight and performing photosynthesis that makes trees grow. We took that design and we incorporated it into a tree structure that we call the acacia tree. And what that, what that allows us to do is essentially create a very small footprint. The footing is only about 36 inches in diameter, but we can create a 440 square foot canopy overhead that does an equally amazing job of capturing sunlight, incorporating it into the area's power needs, be they uh, grid tied or through a standalone storage system, and also provide for a lot of human centric functionality, lighting at night, device charging, um, we can, we can generally house a, a Wi Fi hotspot, there's all manner of things that the power can be shunted to do. And they plus they, they create an aesthetic quality to a setting that is unequaled. And we've um, you know, I can see a lot of places that can use something like this, uh, again, both functional and providing something uh, beautiful, um, delightful, and, and helping people to congregate uh, as well. But for, for customers who want to implement this or build this, like, what are the steps that they have to work with you on uh, to, uh, to build this? The the, the conversation usually starts with a landscape architect that is representing the, the companies or the customer's interest, but we do work with, with customers directly as well. But uh, typically there has to be a vision established for a new development or a site enhancement that is being planned. Um, we've, got, we've become very adept at developing rendering models. We can use augmented reality programs to take detailed pictures of the site and then initially put you know, relatively, uh, rel relatively simplistic renderings of our trees or whatever other structures they might be looking for to put in place and kind of create that, that diorama, create that, that visual, and then making sure that it's online with, with what they want and what they're trying to achieve in that setting. We then move that on to a much more detailed rendering once we, we start narrowing that down. And then once the, the, we've gained agreement on what the elements of the project are gonna be, we develop a purchase order and we just set about building the products. It generally takes us about 90 days to build the trees or our carports or whatever the other elements might be. And the trees go up in a, a single day. They become, they, they arrive pretty much pre-assembled um, it's just a matter of assembling about a dozen pieces and hoisting them into place and clicking in the connections. But once the site has been prepared and we've got all of the machinery there that we need to do, the tree can be erected in a single day. 
That's so cool. And then how do you work with, uh, for example, the, um, the, the building management um, or do you work with the building management or the property management to help them understand, um, you know, how to use energy harvest or harness from these solar trees and, um, you know, the value um, that they can bring about to, to the properties or the new development? Yeah, it, a lot of it depends on what their goals are for um, for for the, the the energy that's generated by the trees. Um, there's a lot of of people that are just taking it and running it into the grid, and it just becomes a, an offset to what they draw from the grid. Um, people are also using it, and and it's obviously renewable because it comes from the sun. Um, there, there's also people that are using it just to improve their resilience. Uh, in our part of the country, in the upper Midwest, we're not plagued so much by power outages, but in other parts of the country, there's a higher degree of susceptibility to those things. And, and these, particularly when they're paired with advanced storage technologies, can help to protect uh, an entity from you know, untimely power outages. The other thing too, though, is just from a cost containment standpoint, um, in order to, to control the costs of energy use, use usage and avoid being charged for peak rates and things like that. If they store energy that is generated during low input periods, they can then draw on that during high demand periods and avoid the cost implications that accompany those. Well, Brian, thank you so much for those perspectives. Um, how do potential partners or customers learn more uh, about your products and about your company? Well, we're on Facebook and LinkedIn. All you have to do is look for Solar Forma Design, and it'll take you right there. We also have a website, www.solarforma, S-O-L-A-R-F-O-R-M-A, design.com. Great. And that'll take you there. Brian, thank you so much for sharing what you're building at Solar Forma Design. Uh, it's incredibly cool, and uh, we look forward to seeing more of them uh, in many cities uh, in the U.S. and perhaps abroad. Um, we hope so, too. Brian Graff, CEO and co-founder of Solar Forma Design. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, JJ.